Wie ist genau Episode 499, Dan Langell Interview, recorded on the 2nd of March 2023. This episode of BSD Now is brought to you by Tarsnap. Go to tarsnap.com slash bsdnow to find online backup for truly paranoid people. And if you want to support this show in one way or the other, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash bsdnow. And we thank you in advance for that. In this episode, Tom Jones and I are interviewing Dan Langill with his latest server project and things he's doing with the server, migrations that he's doing, some of which are a bit out of the ordinary for BSD people, but nevertheless interesting. We're also talking about BSD CAN 2023, which is going to be happening again in person and what that uh, involves. And also a little bit of uh, fresh ports, refresh. So anything that will be interesting is going to be covered. And let's enjoy the interview. We're joined today by Dan Langill for this uh, special episode, 500 minus one. And we thought we would uh, give you a little interview because we're doing a special thing at BSD Can, the 500th episode. So this is a nice lead up into that. Uh, Dan has been on the show before a couple of times, was even a host once or twice. So he's not too unfamiliar with the whole uh, show and the contents. Uh, but he's back because we have uh, heard that he has a new project going on. Uh, and so we want to listen about that, what's in that. Welcome back, Dan. We've heard you're doing a new project with an uh, Dell R730. Um, let's start with uh, what the server is doing and how you are changing it. Hello. Uh, yeah, I'm back. I like it. I like doing podcasts, but I don't like doing the work with it. The amount of work that you guys have to do <laughs> offline is incredible uh listeners have to be aware that it's a lot of offline work to get this podcast together so don't don't underestimate what they're doing when you're not hearing them um in my line of work i, I i'm able to access e-waste and this r70 r730 was going to be recycled and it's no longer required except that it makes a great server for FreeBSC and the type of stuff that I do. Um, and my, I, I never thought about this until I got it home, but I was thinking about replacing my R720 with an R730. But then I started thinking, can I replace my Supermicro 846 chassis and my Dell R720 with an R730? And it turns out that I can I had to buy a bit. Of, go could ahead. You, Dan, could could you explain what type of server the R730 is? Because yeah. I think for a lot of people, it might just be a number. Well, the the Dell R720 and the R730 are rack-mounted uh, enterprise-level uh, servers. I think they're 2U servers. Yes, they're 2U servers. They're, they're about that high, like about as big, big as the palm of your hand high. And... Um, they come in different configurations. Uh, the 720 and the 730 I have allows for uh, hot swapping out of the front 16 2.5 inch drives. Um, I, I actually wound up bringing home four R730s. Um, the other three will be disposed of 
to various projects and I don't know where yet, but I, I can't use them all. Um, mm -hmm. Two of them came with uh, um, three and a half inch drives. They, they've got room for eight, three and a half inch drives and they go in horizontally. Um, they're really nice IPMI called an iDRAC. And the level of difference, say, between Supermicro, not casting aspersions upon Supermicro, but Supermicro IPMI and Dell IPMI are, are very different. And I much prefer the Dells for that. Does that sort of give you an idea of what we're talking about here? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good start. So, so they're, 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 a, they're a beefy server. Uh, it's got two CPUs. And the one I think that I picked has about... Uh, 40 cores all up, 40 threads. That's why I write it in in the web in my blog because I can't remember what they are. But yeah, it it's oh it it's going to be so much better than what I what I have now in terms of um, just being able to run stuff, uh, less stuff to upgrade, less heat in the basement, and less noise, and less power too. I found out. Um, I think it's a drop of about 200. And twenty watts, or about twenty five percent. Oh yeah, that's significant. Yeah. So, I think it only consumes about. It, I'm sure it's less than three hundred watts, which sounds like a lot. But the biggest bit in the old host is that I think there is there's either four or six three and a half inch spinning drives, and they're what take up most of the power. Um, so mm. yeah. It, it, and the heat it generates, it ma makes a difference. It'll be interesting to see how much cooler it is in the basement this coming summer. Uh, so your your e-waste computer, did it come with memory and, and network cards? And, and did it come as a complete machine or have you had to add it to it? It came as a complete machine. Um, it, I, I plugged it in and it booted up. Booted up something I didn't need or want, but I just controlled all that and I've, I've got my systems all transferred onto it now. Um, I think, let me, let me just look it up because, um, the amount of stuff it had w was impressive. It has 48 cores. So, you know, when you're looking at D message, it says 48 CPUs and it has 458 gigabyte of Ram. I, I okay. think that'll be enough for running Poudrière. Uh, I think I'll also uh, get some RAM disk activated for Poudrière because that'll speed things up as well. And it's running about 40 jails. And those jails vary from all kinds of things, including uh, Home Assistant. But the main thing it runs, the thing I use it the most for is... Uh, development of fresh ports. There's uh, six jails on there for dev, test, and stage uh, nodes of fresh ports. And then it's all the other... When you get these things running, you've got other um, supporting roles. Like there's three different uh, Postgres database servers on there. And then there's an outgoing mail server. Um, there's a MySQL instance. There's some Bacula on there. Um, there's a general web server for all the other things that aren't hosted on the other web servers. So I'll, 
all in all, there's four different web servers on this host, I just realized. And that sounds like a ridiculous number of web servers, but three of them are just for dev tests and stage of fresh ports. So what was the question? Um, we asked what the new machine was. So ben Benedict's added a question here, um, and I don't know why it's special. So he's put my name next to it, so I'm going to ask it. He's yeah. Adding a couple of SSDs yeah. to it for a new boot yes. pool. How did you select the SSDs and which slots are you using? I selected the SSDs because they were given to me. <laughs> oh, okay. So it was no go-to uh, store of your choice. No, they were a them? couple of 480 or 490 um Intel um, SSDs that were just they they were they're too old to be used, but they've never been used. So the hardware that they're 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 already they they came installed on a on a drive cage, but we don't use those hosts of drive cages those hosts that have those drive cages anymore. So basically, they were going to be e wasted. Okay, so you saved, I, I saved them, them from, from that e fate. But one <laughs> okay. of the things I always like to do with with um, servers that have hot swap capability is I don't like to put my boot drives in the front. I like to use the front only for data drives. So in the past, what I've done with a Dell R720 was get something from IcyDoc that mounts in a PCIe slot so that then you access the drives from the back. And they're hot swappable from the back if you have the PCI slots. But with the R730, the trouble I had was where do I plug in the data cables and where do I plug in the power cables? And it, it was a bit of a, a stretch to get that working with the R720. I, I actually had to disable the CD-ROM and steal the power from it. Um, but... IcyDoc has a new product out called Tough Armor, which fits in a PCIe slot and gives you, gives you the full six gig speeds, but doesn't require any cables, no cables at all. So you just plug one of these cards in with an SSD on it, and you, you've got an SSD running off a, a PCIe slot. And that just made me so happy because no extra cables, just plug it in and it worked right out of the box. Is that a two and a half inch SSD yes. that goes in there? That's cool. Um, I'm I'm holding up a as, picture for the audience at home. Yes. Yeah, that. imagine there's now a two and a half inch. That's so, it's, it's really funny, Dan, because you said you you want to have them in a PCI slot, and I'm sitting here fidgeting with uh, compact flash cards um, <laughs> for my for my three eight six DX uh, running FreeBSD one. I have a, a compact flash IDE adapter mounted on a PCI bracket so I can get to the storage very easily without pulling any cables. Um, I think mine's much more esoteric than yours, but yeah, I, I definitely see the need for that. That's really cool. And, and it's a hot swap through the PCI slot at the back as well. You, I haven't actually tried swapping them because they're, they're in use right now. But yeah, you, you theoretically, if one of those drives dies, I should not have to power off the host to replace that drive. And, and so oh, yeah. why did That's you go useful. for two and a half rather than something like NVMe on a PCI card? I For a hot swap? Can you get, can you oh, get yeah, hot okay. swap yeah. NVMe? No. <laughs> I, I think I've seen it, but I don't, I don't really trust it. And 
Um, my research indicated that the Dell R730 cannot boot from NVMe yet. Newer, newer hosts can, but this one can't. Apparently, when it came out, NVMe was not a thing. Hmm. Probably not. Yeah, they or they don't have any uh, like firmware updates would it, make that possible. It's just the hardware. There thing. is an NVMe drive in it, but I'm not booting from it, and it's in a PCIe slot as well. Okay, so that kind of covers the uh, you're booting from a PCIe adapter and powering everything from the PCIe. I bus. had to go into the BIOS and say, "Hey, these are the drives you want to boot from," but that was about it. Okay, because yeah, that's not the regular boot uh, sequence where the system searches for bootable drives. But it just it it, it appears possible. to the system as a DA zero ADA zero. Mm, to the first uh, IDE. Or yeah, SATA. Huh, Whereas the ones in the in the um, on the backplane show up as DA drives. Oh yeah, that's good to discern the, the two boot drives versus, uh, I guess, um, major data storage disks. Yep, I never thought of that, but yeah, that is a very easy way for me to tell which one's which. But yeah, uh, I I'm, I was just so happy when those things arrived. And when I put them in and they worked, it was just like, yeah. It, it also means that I don't have to worry about which drives in the front are the boot drives. I would probably put them all the way in the left as zero and one. But Yeah, IC, uh, IC Box has completely vanished from my radar for a couple of years because I thought they kind of went out mm -hmm. of business. Uh, but apparently not. They are still doing doing fine. So yeah, interesting. That's uh, this, that this is kind of setup is possible, and you created a pool. Is that pool out of it? Yeah. I trust. It's a mirrored pair of uh, drives, and I think if you pull this, let's see here. Yeah, that the Z root is the size is four twenty four gig, and there's about four hundred and twenty one free. <laughs> yeah, there's some stuff uh, that you can still put on there, and that's uh, FreeBSD thirteen dot one or what kind of? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And okay, it, it has it now has. I, I read the biggest problem I had was copying all the data from the two hosts, and so basically all I was doing was a syncoid send receive from well really just a pull from one host to the other and then going through and spinning up each jail individually and getting it running and that that worked well but i underestimated the amount of space i needed and i had to i finally gave in and went out and bought some four four terabyte western digital blue and set them up in a new uh, uh pair of mirrors so that's a 7.25 terabyte Z pool, and that's where all the remaining data went in. And uh, what else was I going to ask about ZFS? Um, escapes me at the moment. So that, that <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember. Could you have <laughs> not also used um, Bacula to restore on the R730? Yes, I could have, but it wouldn't have brought over 
the snap the ZFS snapshots. Bacula is a file level. Oh right, one. yeah, not the re so most it, recent. Uh, yes, I could have used it, but Syncoid is a tool I actually use, and, and I've I've come to quite like it because it can work either off sudo permissions or off ZFS allow permissions. And I went the ZFS allow mm -hmm. permissions on this on this job. Yeah, I heard about it, but I never used it myself. So Syncoid put that on my to watch list or to oh, check oh, yeah. out list. It, it it took a little while to understand, but now that I've got it written down, it would be easier for the next project. Yeah, you write meticulously everything down in your blog, and that's kind of good for people who want to experiment or follow your train of thoughts and also help uh, other people to kind of see, yeah, not... Dan is not perfect. He also makes mistakes, but still documents those. Um, and still people can find like error messages they gotten and how you solved it eventually. And, so that's always. And I do useful. those mistakes for my own personal benefit because I'm going to make that mistake again and I'm not going to know how I fixed it. So mm. you have the breadcrumbs <laughs> already out there. Good. Yeah. So uh, the system is kind of built at this point, or are you still doing work um, on it? Monday, I finished transferring off over the last jails, and I powered off the systems on Monday, and it's been running like that since. I'm um, I'm pretty sure everything is transferred over. I'm I'm not comfortable yet tossing the other machines away. I'll probably sell them, but you know what I mean by toss. So I'm not comfortable. Uh, disposing of those hosts yet i think i would like to wait a month or so but yeah just switch them off and then see what complains about and, them and there's not, not much coming there. up but there'll be the regular monthly and daily and well, once a month has come by i'll be I'll, I'll be quite confident but i'm always paranoid that there's there's something I've forgotten to back up. There's something I've forgotten to take a copy of, and it's only on that host, and that host is now with someone else, and the drives are erased. Yeah, or the monitoring is like, hey, the server went, yep. went off. Yep. What happened? Are you still using mm -hmm. Nagios, or how are you monitoring? I'm those? still using Nagios, and I just set downtime on those hosts of about mm. two or three months, yeah. and then once, once they're gone, I'll, I'll update Nagios. It was fairly easy to copy the the configuration over because all the jails have their own set of monitoring and they're host independent because it's using NRPE. So oh, all I yeah. really had to do was the copy the, the monitoring for the host to the new from the old two hosts and combine it into one new host. And that was the only thing that changed in terms of Nagas. It was an un unanticipated benefit of the jail approach. Well, definitely. That's a, a plus for the jails being so easy to migrate to another host when necessary. And so uh, networking-wise, any particular settings there, like a, a failover, a lag no, or something? No, just it's actually connected with a 1G network cable, but I really want to get it on a, on a 10G link, and I just haven't hooked up the fiber. And once I do that, I'll need to change firewall rules and um, rc.conf to refer to IX0 or IX2, whatever it'll be, instead of IG, 
IGB0. But I don't think that'll interrupt the host much. Yeah, probably not. Okay. Um, so You were about to ask a, a specific question about something. I forget what it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't ask it, so you, how would you know? Um, so the R730 is replacing two machines in your lab. Are there many more machines in your lab? There, there are now only two hosts running in the lab. Uh, there's a system known as NEW, K-N-E-W, and it is the storage unit. It's got 25 terabyte drives, and it's basically for backups. I, I think it has about 97 terabytes of, of storage, um, but not all of it is used. And then there's, there, there's a small NetGate appliance, which is running PFSense as the firewall. There's like a, a right monitor, a, a, an Atlas probe from, from right that does DNS measurements. But that's about all that's in the lab. Everything else is, is laptops. Uh, what, do, do you mean you have laptops as hosts or it's you walking around to the laptop? No. No. Just me with, with a laptop, a couple of, a few laptops. Yeah, they're 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 not part, they're not hosting anything. It's just those two servers that are hosting something, and by far this new R seven thirty hosts way more than the other ones do. The other it hosts four, four times as many jails as the other host does. That's quite a reduction, and it's less power overall, which is that's really cool. Yes, from like. My my power. I posted something on social media last night about this. My power for the previous month or so before I got one of these was sticking at about nine hundred watts. Now it's just about six hundred and eighty watts average. That's that's with the spikes that come with nightly Poudreaux builds and stuff like that. But yeah, basically, I've gone from two hosts to one host, and I'm using about. 220 fewer watts. So it's a reduction of about 25% in power consumption, which hopefully will mean cooler in the win in cooler in the summer because it gets 85 degrees down there in the basement. And it's a it's an old basement. It's a field stone <laughs> basement with 18-inch thick stone and, and limestone walls. And it still gets hot. Yeah. It's also a walkout, so uh, half of the basement is open to the air. It's not underground. Okay. Any future things you plan to do on this system or with the system? I think it's quite complete so far with all the air and jails on it. Um, there's no immediate plans for it. Uh, it was a frenetic seven days or so of transferring jails where every spare moment I was copying over another one and making sure that everyone was working. But but now I'm getting very heavily busy with BSG Can and PG Con because they're only about two months away now. Two months? Two and a quarter months? Yeah. 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 Perfect nice. segue <laughs> into our next questions. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's talk conferences. So as you mentioned, BSDCAN is happening in May and in person again. So uh, how much do we know thus far? So far, we know the talks. 
The talks haven't been announced yet, but the speakers have all been uh, notified. Uh, I want to get the schedule completed and all the speakers confirmed before we publish the uh, list of talks. Um, mm -hmm. We have fewer talks than previous years, and that's to be expected. Not everyone wants to travel. So previously we had like four concurrent talks. This year we'll only have three concurrent talks. So the number of talks is down, but there still should be something for everyone in every time slot. We always strive to make it difficult for you to choose which talk to go to. Yeah, and it has been like, oh, I want to be in two rooms at the same time, but which one do I pick? <laughs> is there anything particular on the schedule that you're looking forward to? That's a bad question. As <laughs> <laughs> the conference organizer. <laughs> I, I, favorites, it's fine. We know you don't pick them. The opening session, probably. I was going to say the, the auction. auction. At the end. I always have fun. I've missed the auction. The auction is really the fun, the fun conclusion to the conference. So I'll miss that. Oh yeah. Oh, I have yeah. a couple. Someone suggested I give a talk about um, uh, why I have so many jails and what I've learned from them. Or something. I can't. I can't remember what the suggestion was. It was on Twitter or or Mastodon. I can't remember where. But it, it gave mm -hmm. me a very good idea for why do I have forty jails and what am I doing with them. Actually, it's, it's 50, 48 jails, I think it is. That would be a really good EuroBSD con talk. Why? That too. Why? Um, but it could also well, be a you know, spot it, in the during the lunch hour. It, it's it's an interesting topic to cover, but I don't know if you want to give a talk while running a conference. I, I, I feel I've, feels like an overkill. I've done it. It's not. When when you know the topic and you know what you want to talk about, it's not that difficult. I usually sit in on talks during the conference anyway, so whether I'm sitting in on it or giving the talk, it shouldn't matter much. But we'll see. I, I may give the talk or I may not. It just depends on how much time between now and then for me to actually create slides and talk about it. It, it definitely, I, I definitely be interesting to see why you have so many jails and if you can compare that to the way other people do things, like especially today, because I, I, I get the idea that most people would run this in the cloud somewhere and there would be dynamic services, but this isn't even filling up one host. So you can get a lot done. The, the, this one host runs a very low CPU. Right, right now is running at 1.3 load average. That's with 40 threads. For 40 jails? 40 threads. Decent, yeah. 40 jails, yeah. Because a lot of the times nothing happens. It's not until, you know, if there's a FreeBSG commit that touches 20,000 ports, then this host will be busy. Yeah. Are those hosts, uh, are those jails uh, self-built or are you using some kind of jail uh, manager? They're all plain vanilla jails. I, I used mm -hmm. jail managers for a while, but I kept running into difficult to solve problems because the jail manager wanted to do it a certain way and it didn't allow me to do it the way that needed, pardon me, it didn't allow me to do it in the way that it needed to be done for the particular situation I was in. Um, so 
I dumped a couple of jail managers and now I use a script for creating new jails called Make Jail. Um, it, it's one of my projects and it's also, it, I think it was originally authored by Mark um, Felder. Oh, do I have his name wrong? Holy crap. Could be, yeah. Fel oh, this is terrible. Feldad? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that must be him. And so, yeah, these were the jails. Uh, but let's go back to the yep, conference. Yep. Um, so people are probably worried or wondering what it's going to be like post-pandemic. Oh, yes. um, we're going to have a strict mask, mask policy. Everyone at the conference will have a mask on. The only exception will be the speaker. If they want to remove their mask while they're speaking, and I think that'll probably be a good idea because it'll be difficult to hear them and, and the mic won't work as well. But yeah, uh, if you're not if you're not the speaker, you'll be having a mask on, and that'll be strictly enforced. We're going to let people know about that long before they arrive. Uh, there will be no surprises, and please don't challenge us on this because you'll basically be asked to leave. Yeah, yeah, that's only fair. If people are informed about it, then they can, of course, adhere to it. And it worked well at EuroBSDCon, so I'm fairly sure the BSD crowd is smart to protect themselves and others. And that's the key point. If we can't protect the weakest amongst us as a community, we're not really a community. And uh, do you need any help with the conference, like uh, behind the scenes or during the conference? You've always been doing it uh, on your own. That's well appreciated, but I guess the more help uh, is distributed over shoulders, the better it is for everyone or less stressful. I, the first conference I ran on my own was 2004, the first BSG camp. So this makes the 20th year I've run conferences. So, yeah. Uh, I'm going to need more people to step forward each year and take over things that I do because I'm getting busier with other things. Uh, I've got a house now. Um, I've got four grandkids that I'm helping with. Uh, stuff like that diverts a lot of time and energy from the things that you can do. So uh, at, at the conference, I think we're going to have a boff about how to help BSD can for future years. Um, this year, yes, there, there will be help needed. Um, there's always the conference bag uh, assembly that requires probably an hour of time if we have five or six people. Um, and then there's the, the normal morning and afternoon box moving to and from my car in the basement. Um, but yeah, there, there's a, all, all volunteers are always needed. Just uh, there's a mailing list at uh, lists.bsgcan.org. So sign up there and say, hey, I'm here, I can help. And we'll be talking. We actually need someone just to run the volunteers mailing list. Oh, okay. <laughs> the well, chief, yeah. the chief good, volunteer good handing out tasks. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a local person. That could be done from anywhere yeah, in the but, world. Yeah, and things like helping speakers with um, accommodation, and um, letters of invitation, 
things like that can be done from anywhere and doesn't require a lot of expertise or knowledge. Okay, so if anyone is listening and wants to help, then sign up on that list and make yourself available. Uh, anything else planned, like some social event, or is that still I, a secret? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. It depends a lot on sponsors. Um, people have gotten out of the habit of sponsoring conferences, so it depends how quickly they come back. Okay, yeah. Well, there's still time. Maybe they will... Uh, come back after listening to this episode. And and so how are you doing for sponsors? What sort of tiers are are available if people listening would like to sponsor? Basically, we've got a whole slew of choices. It goes from uh, platinum, which is the biggest one you can do, which is about $10,000. There's a so social event. There's gold at $5,000. Uh, there's a video sponsor at $4,500. We already have a T-shirt sponsor, that's uh, Tarsnap. Um, we have a yeah. tote bag sponsor, which is the FreeBSD Foundation. We have lunch sponsors and silver bronze. And, uh, we also have travel sponsors where if a speaker is coming to the conference and their employer is paying for that travel, they can become a sponsor if, if they wish. They can be listed as a sponsor. Right now, we've got three sponsors, and we could surely use more. Okay, yeah, definitely talk to people if you know companies or want to endorse the BSD projects. Okay, so we'll see. I will be there. I'm excited to be back in Canada and at the conference. And it's the same building as we've been uh, in the previous years, like. that. That's the goal. Um The way okay. University of Ottawa goes is we never really get confirmation of that until mid to late March. <laughs> so we, we never oh, okay. really know. Late. Because inter internal um, activities have priority over us. Sure, sure. They have to run a uh, university at, uh, at all costs and make students yeah. study and not run conferences. So if they need it for something, purpose. they get it for something. Okay. Uh, let's switch one more time. Topics. Um, uh, a while ago, you were uh, mentioning that you are rewriting Freshports or putting it on a new foundation of sorts. Is that finished or is there a status for that? A few years ago, Freshports was running on a host in New Jersey. Uh, it was a, a host donated by IX Systems and it suddenly died. And I then swapped that host back to the old host, which was somewhere in Austin, Texas. And the reason I moved off that host is it didn't have enough power and guts and ZFS, for example. Uh, so in the meantime, I did a huge rewrite of a lot of things to get it onto AWS. And it, it's not so much a huge rewrite as, well, if I'm going to be building up these things from scratch anyway, Why don't I just change the approach that I'm doing? And that's now why there's one jail for the uh, processing of commits, and there's another jail for uh, processing uh, web requests, and there's another jail that does the database. It's just a way of dividing up the different parts of the service into distinct areas. So yeah, that part is done. Um, One of the things I would like to do, though, is rewrite the 
CSS of the website. So it's not mobile friendly. Um, it's probably horrific on mobile, actually. So if someone wants to take over that bit of it, I can give you everything you need in terms of database, website, hosting, all that stuff. But I don't have the expertise to, to redo something to be good on mobile. But at the moment, Freshports is ticking along. It doesn't require a lot of intervention by me, but it does require um, upgrades from time to time when there's an OS change. And eventually, I won't be running Freshports. It's been 20 years. Um, eventually, the project's going to have to be taken over by someone else. And I think I would prefer that if prefer it if that was the FreeBSD project, basically because then they have the biggest incentive to make sure that it keeps running. Um, oh yeah, for sure. So I don't know how long that'll take either, but I'm I'm quite sure that ten or twelve years from now I won't be involved with fresh ports. I'll, I'll, mm. I won't. I I might be helping with the complex database queries or changes in advising, but I don't think I'll be doing the day-to-day -day maintenance of it. So is that a call for uh, maintainers, Dan? You, you want people to come on board and help? Yes. And the, the problem with that call is that what you're going to be doing is very uh, undefined. Um, it, it might just be running a package upgrade. Um, it might be uh, ta taking the services down before running package upgrade. It might be FreeBSC update, uh, fetch install, for example. So it, it's not like you take over the whole host and do everything. It's just that every once in a while, there's things like that that need doing. And I've got dev tests and stage for people to practice on as well. And the beauty of jails is it's all ZFS, so you can snapshot it. And if it goes wrong, you just roll it back. Cool. So I think if you want to get involved with Freshports, you should approach Dan, either online or at BSD can, yeah, and, and tell him you want to help. Um, before we before we let you go, Dan, is there anything else you'd like to mention? No, I think we've covered <laughs> an awful lot. Yeah, well, but hopefully interesting to the audience, and you can hopefully get a couple of uh, people replying to your calls for help, or people who are just interested in the R seven thirty. Thank you, thank you very much for for coming on the show, and I, I look forward to finally meeting you in person in May. Oh yeah, that would be nice. Thank you. It was good to be on. It was a lot of fun. Anytime you can come back once you uh, feel the need to do a little bit of podcasting again. Thanks. Bye. So that was the interview that we had with Dan Lanjo. Thank you again, Dan, for the interview and the interesting things that you shared with us. Hopefully, our audience uh, will be joining in the call for help that you put out here and there. That would be very good to have in the BSD community. Other than that, uh, we don't have much else this week. Uh, we pushed the feedback and questions to next week's episode because this one is already quite full. And next week, we will have a regular episode again. So you can definitely look forward to that one. And have a nice week until then. 